Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. Sean Blishin is a bright soul. Her personality and smile light up any room. After working in fashion and retail and then healthcare, she turned a candle-making hobby into a full-fledged business, launching Kilig Candle Co. Her Filipino mother immigrated to Canada from Singapore in her early 30s after working there as a nanny. She applied to move to Vancouver and Los Angeles. The approval from Vancouver came first, giving her a new life in a new country. She met Sean's dad at a dance and nine months later, they were married, with Sean coming later, an only child. She grew up in Surrey, where her friend group was mostly Caucasian and Indian. She had a massive shift in cultural pride during a Vegas trip, while joining her mom to watch the Miss Universe contest that year, where one of the finalists was Filipino. After stints working retail at Aritzia and in luxury retail in the UK, she came back to Vancouver and found herself in healthcare at St. Paul's Hospital and residential homes. A major car accident forced her to physically slow down, and she began making candles in the kitchen to stay busy. And soy and vegan-based Kili Candle Co. came to be. In this conversation, we discuss her mother, grandmother, and uncle's immigrant story, and her deep connection with each of them. The unconditional support her father gave her during the start of Kili Candle Co., making deliveries together every Saturday. What the word Kilig means in Tagalog. What she loved about working in healthcare, and the consistent life lessons she learned when connecting with the elderly. Her relationship with her body and mental health after the car accident. The process of candle making and why people choose a certain brand in a saturated market. How sense of smell evolves throughout life, founding the Girl Gang pop-up and exciting horizons for Kilig, and much more. Please enjoy the spirited conversation with the open and vibrant Sean Blishin. Sean Blishin. Welcome to The Craft. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. We actually met very recently. Yes, yes. yes. At the pop-up at August yes, Studios. Yes. Which is also where I, I met Vince Garcia, who is our last guest. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he really, really is. And so. his chocolate's delicious. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I just... Um, I just had the strawberry bar the other day. I was just going to say that's my favorite. Yeah. He gave that to me once, and I was like, oh, my gosh, the best. Yes. <laughs> like the flavors, I can't I can't even believe it. But um, he's really great, and I was really happy to meet you. Actually, I didn't meet you at the pop-up. It's just coming to mind that when Eric Veloso, my friend who has Street Dreams magazine, had oh, his yeah. office – you were across the hallway. That's when I yeah. first met you. Oh, yeah, you. that's right. When you came in mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. Yes. It's so yes. funny because that's also my studio now, too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that room as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I took over the whole downstairs of that building. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy to have you here and, yeah, to listen to your story and who you are. Um, so tell me a little bit about your family. Your mom was born in the Philippines. Yeah, so my mom was born in the Philippines in Manawag. So she was there until she was about like late tw- uh, 20s. Um, she kind of came from a you know more impoverished family, I would say. Um, everyone worked really hard for what they had, and she really like showed her strengths. 
Um, I think her big thing was, you know, like always to be bigger and better and just like give herself everything she could. And she definitely put herself first and showed a lot of motivation and decided that she wanted to be a nanny and then came to Canada. So she's definitely one of the people I really look up to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was a really interesting journey that she had. Um, she was in her late 20s, early 30s when she moved to Singapore. And she saved a ton of money, didn't she, to even yeah. have that opportunity? Yeah. So. Yeah. She, like I said, she wanted like a bigger and better life. So one of the things I think that really stood out to her was becoming a nanny and going to another country um, where she could work. So she worked for a family out there. Um, They were so kind to her. You know, she always tells me like that's the family that taught her how to cook and she's an amazing little chef. So I love them. But yeah, so she worked there, I think for about a year and she told me that it was a really hard struggle for her in the sense of, you know, being alone, being in a new country by yourself for the first time, um, just not having any support really out there. Um, but she was definitely one of the luckier nannies out there as well. Like they treated her with respect. She got to have like that day off during the week and like hang out with the other nannies and go into town and So when I hear her story, I hear her struggle, but I also am so grateful that she had a more positive experience than I know a lot of other people might not have had. Mm. Yeah. And then she decided to move to North America and applied for two different cities. Yeah, yeah. So she decided that the next big thing would would be for her to come to North America. So she heard a lot of positive things from the family that um, had had her at the time as a nanny. And she decided, she's like, okay, I'm either going to go to Vancouver or I'm going to go to California. I don't care where it is. I'm just going to go to the first place that accepts me. And her family at the time, the employer that had her, they really wanted her to go to California because they also had family out there. So she was kind of leaning towards that as well. And then it just finally came to this pivotal moment where it was like, okay, Vancouver's here. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go because she had saved all this money and it was just her opportunity for like that next bigger and better step. So she came to Canada. She was so excited. She like lived in this big house with other Filipino nannies. And I think that was very helpful for her, like, you know, like struggling for so long being by herself and then now getting to be with people of her own culture and just experiencing that. And she tells me it was a lot of fun. She still has friends from that group, which is awesome. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, they're like all Facebook friends and stuff, which <laughs> is awesome. But she tells me like they used to like dance all the time and go to like Filipino parties together. So it was a good experience. And I'm happy like when she came to Canada, that got even bigger and better for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after nine months, she met your dad. Yeah. So yes. it's it's so crazy. So she went to one of these Filipino dances and the story is my dad did not want to go to this dance his best friend at the time was like we gotta go like my girl my girlfriend's there we gotta go and my dad's like fine I'll go for like an hour so he goes and he sees my mom on the dance floor and and he always jokes he's like she was shaking her bum (laughs) (laughs) and uh he asked her to dance and she said no straight away because my mom's a very shy person um, straight off the bat. And so she said no and then he's like, okay, I'm going to ask her one more time. So he asked her to dance one more time and her friends kind of forced her into it. They were like, come on, just do it. Like, it's only one dance. And that was it. They mm. fell in love and he got her number and took her out and then nine months later they got married. Wow. Yeah, and they're still together. 
That's a beautiful love story. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love telling that story because yeah. it's, you don't always see that kind of strong love, I feel. And having them as like my parents, that's like, I don't know, it's just really motivational for me, like in many aspects of my life to see my parents so in love and still together and just really be that power couple for me so Mm -hmm. I love it yeah (laughs) oh that's so great well if we were going to dive deeper into clearly your mom is strong and resilient she loves to have fun um how else would you describe her and how else how would you also describe your dad oh wow so I feel like they're very yin and yang so when you first meet my mom my mom's like very quiet and she's more observant um But my dad is like this loud, outgoing, super nice, like big guy. Like even when you see them visually, it's like yin and yang. Like my dad, his background is his mom is Irish and his dad is English. So he's Caucasian. And then my mom's Filipino. And my dad's like over six feet and my mom's like four feet something. (laughs) So it's like a big height difference even. But um, so I think from my dad's side, like he definitely gave me more of like the gift of the gab, like that business motivation. He like always told me, just follow your dreams, never give up, just keep going type of thing. And he's always been that shoulder and like, I feel so emotional talking about it, but like he's been so awesome. Just with everything, he, even with my business, he really, really helped me, really helped me with everything. Mm. That's really wonderful to have supportive parents. Yeah. Mm. It's so funny because I never um, really share that with them. But without them, I don't think I could have done anything. Mm. Mm. That's really great. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. I'm yeah. really, really glad to, to hear that. Yeah. You know, like and my, to, to feel that love. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, I remember when I started my business, my dad was, my, my parents were kind of like, oh, we don't really know if like selling candles is is you know something you could go into and I was like okay like let's just try it out and my dad was like so motivated to help me that in my first year of business we did local deliveries every Saturday and Sunday around Mm -hmm. the lower mainland and it was so good because we got to hang out and then we got to build my business together and that was great and my mom was always like there cheering me on too like she'd help me put like all the labels on and like wick my jars they're your assembly line yeah like they were the first two team members of Mm. kill it i'd say yeah (laughs) yeah and they'll and they'll be there to the very end yeah Yeah. they will Mm. um and like my mom is like i said she's like a little bit more reserved when you first meet her but then i think i get like that really like fun loving aspect of life from her because I really see her like go into her element sometimes or she just has so much fun and she has like the best laugh ever so yeah I think I'm like well my partner tells me I'm like a 50 50 mix of my parents so yeah (laughs) well that that is actually a great segue because I was going to ask what you were like as a child and teen oh yeah so as a child well I'm an only child so Mm -hmm. people have definitely told me I have like only child (laughs) syndrome (laughs) which is okay but um I think as a child, I really relied on my parents. And when my mom was here, when she came to Canada and she met my dad and stuff, like one of the big things was, you know, her love for her family. And my dad suggested like, hey, let's bring your youngest brother out here and let's bring your mom out here. Like, let's, you know, share this with them. So they sponsored my uncle and my grandma here. Um, My uncle's still here. My grandma just went back right before COVID hit. Um, But 
I really relied on my uncle and my grandma as well growing up. Like they lived with me. I lived with my grandma up until about maybe 2018. And then my uncle I lived with until he got married, essentially. But they were like two great pillars in my life as well. Like my uncle was really fun. He'd like do fun uncle things, take me to McDonald's and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then my grandma was my main caretaker, I would say, because my parents worked, you know, my dad worked two jobs, my mom worked during the day. So my grandma would just be like that person that I was always going to. She'd take me to the park. She'd like take me to the corner store and get candy. Um, And one thing my grandma used to tell everyone is Sean taught me English. Because when she came to Canada, she didn't really know too much English. It was more of, I guess, like broken English. You'd say she could communicate, but it wasn't the best. Um, so while I was like learning to read, like we would read together. She would. She was very religious, so she'd read the Bible, and sometimes she'd be like, "What does this word mean?" And I'd be like in grade four explaining <laughs> what essentially was going on in whatever she was reading. So oh, I love that that yeah. intergenerational teaching. It doesn't have to go from you know older to to younger. Yeah, it can go younger to older, and that's beautiful too. Yeah, and mm. I just have a lot of great memories with her, like being in the garden with her and her walking me to school every day in elementary school. And mm. yeah, she was just really there for all of the big pivotal moments so far in my life. Oh, I really resonate with that because yeah. in the first few years of my life, it was quite similar for me. My grandmother was a huge presence. I have four four uncles, four Titos. Oh, wow. And they were like my big brothers. Like when I look back at that time, mm-hmm. I did a lot with them. And, you know, they razzed me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to have that is is really special yeah. beyond your parents. Yeah. That network and those relationships. Totally. Because like mom and dad are mom and dad. But sometimes it's nice to have like other family yeah. that you can be with and Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember you saying that growing up, you didn't really have a lot of Filipino friends. Most of them were white or, or Indian. Yeah. And yeah, so you had this really interesting um, cultural identity shift at some point in your life <laughs> because your your mom loves Miss Universe, yes. the Miss Universe pageant. Y- yes. And you, you had a moment. Yeah. So growing up, um, the majority of my friends were Caucasian or Indian. I grew up in Surrey. Um, and even in high school, I thought like, oh, maybe I'll make some new Filipino friends. And I think there was only a couple of other Filipino kids there at the time. So I never really resonated with that Filipino side unless I was going to a Filipino party with my mom, which again, I didn't even really feel like I belong because I not I can't speak to Gallup. So that's something that's like always kind of held me back a little bit. Um, but my parents love going to Vegas, so we went one year. Um, it was right before Christmas, I think, or right after Christmas. And my dad knows that my mom loves Miss Universe, like any kind of beauty pageant. So I was kind of like, oh, I'll go if mom wants to go. So he bought two tickets and we went and it was the most amazing experience ever. Um, It was at Planet Hollywood and it was, I'd say, honestly, like at least 50% of the crowd was Filipino. And we were sitting there and in the final it was Miss Philippines and Miss USA. And all the Filipinos had their signs up. Everyone was so excited. And I really felt Filipino in that moment because I was like, oh, my gosh, that person looks like me that's on that stage, like which you don't always see as like a minority group. And 
I was just so excited. And and then Miss USA won. They announced she won. And all the Filipinos <laughs> were so upset about it. And I remember leaving and telling my mom for the first time, and I think it really meant a lot to her, I was like, I'm so proud to be Filipino. Mm. And to this day, she gets so excited when I talk about that with her. She's like, yeah, you're Filipino. I'm like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> and was it because, was that moment of pride because you could see yourself in an idol? I think so. I think that had a lot to do with it because, you know, I was probably nine, 18 or 19 at that time. And I'm trying to think back and that's when social media even started becoming a thing and a lot of influencers they were not you know people of color or let alone filipino and you don't really you didn't really see a lot of actors or actresses that were filipino um or even identified as filipino so when i saw miss universe or miss philippines sorry at that time i was just so excited and then to see all of the support and how like loving the Filipino community is there and then I was just I was really taken aback and I was really excited mm. and I was like this is definitely like something I can get with <laughs> yeah and yeah. It's, it's amazing that it happened um then for you two around that age because yeah. I feel like even for me being proud of of being Filipino didn't happen until later yeah in my life, probably like in my 30s mm -hmm. yeah so yeah mm -hmm. it's funny because like now I have a lot of Filipino friends mm -hmm. and one of my really good friends who I share the studio with man she's definitely like I was joking with her like she's my Filipino rock like we have a lot of conversations about being Filipino and like how I'm half and you know how I feel in the community and stuff and she's been great to have around too mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, she is a she is a force of energy yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's always a good time with yeah. me yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um I, I want to follow your your career path so you started off in fashion yeah, right? yeah. so when I was young, I just always worked retail, fashion retail, and you know, being at Aritzia or whatever it was at the time. And um, I really love fashion. I think it's so much fun. It's a way to be creative. It's also a way to work with people. Um, and I moved to England, oh gosh, maybe like five years ago, and I lived there for a couple years. And I was um, working in luxury retail, which was a lot of fun. Um, but something I didn't find in retail was stability. It was a lot of up and downs. And even though I love fashion and love working with clothes, there would be times where I was really stressed out, like more stressed out than I've ever been. And I didn't find it, you know, worthwhile in that sense. So my mom being a typical <laughs> Filipino, she was like, why don't you try healthcare? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't really know if I want to do that. She's like, you get benefits, you know, you get a pension, you get va paid vacation, all these things. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I went into the unit coordinator program at VCC and it was eight months long and it was actually a lot of fun. I mm -hmm. realized that it was something that I could do. I could still work with people. I could help people. Um, and it became a job that I really loved. Mm -hmm. um, I worked at St. Paul's for a bit, and it was great. I made so many awesome connections and like have a lot of respect for anyone who can do any job in healthcare. It doesn't even matter if you're a janitor in the hospital. Like You really work hard, and you really have compassion for people. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You, see, you see a lot there, and it just really opens your eyes to what's going on 
beyond your world. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stories out there. There's a lot of different people. So I really loved that too. Um, you said you love talking to older people. Oh yeah, I love old people. Like that was my last um, stint in healthcare was working at um, a residential home. So I love old people. I think they're great. They all have a really interesting story to tell you. Um, what have they taught you? If you were uh, going to say, this is a theme that I have heard throughout many conversations, what would you say? Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I feel like the basis of what most of them stand for or what they tell me, because they know I'm a lot younger than them, is like, just enjoy life. Like, life goes by in the blink of an eye. You're going to, like, it, it's crazy how fast life changes. Um, and I see that in their health, but also hear it in their stories. Mm. So it's very much like live in the present, be happy. Like, you know, you want to go on that vacation, go on that vacation, enjoy that ad- adventure. Because there's going to be one day where that's just not possible anymore for you. If you want to try something out, try it out. Because when you're in their shoes, you might not have the opportunity to. Mm-hmm. You might not just be physically able to anymore, even though you're mentally there and want to do it. So, yeah, it's ba- I basically learned, like, you know, live for now and enjoy the years where you have that health. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, living in, living in the moment because you don't – and you could be old or young and not know what tomorrow brings. So <sighs> totally. You might, as, you might as well, which is very difficult for so many people to, to live in the present, right? So Yeah, but- I feel like anxiety is even a big thing nowadays. So everyone's so anxious about, like, the future and – and mental health is a big thing, but I think if we could all just live in the present, I think everyone would be super happy because mm-hmm. there's a lot of great things happening in front of us. And even if it's like, you know, you woke up and you got to eat your favorite breakfast, like that's awesome because not everyone gets to do that. Exactly. And yeah. that's, it's a very privileged place to say that you can. So yeah. if you can, you should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I really do agree with that a lot. Mm-hmm. And so... You were in a really bad car accident. Yes. And then you ended up, this is when you came back from England, went back into healthcare. Yeah. And the car accident happened. And you, you're you still going to active rehab, aren't you? Yeah. So I go to active rehab um, once or twice a week now. I go to physio twice a week. My back is still in pretty poor condition. I've had um, quite a few, I guess you could call them procedures done to my back even, um, to help me get better. And I'm definitely a lot better than I used to be, but I don't think I'll ever be back to the person I was before in the sense of my health. And I think that's why I care so much about enjoying life now, because that's something I didn't really do before, to be honest. I was so worried about everything else. I wasn't living in the now, and my health got bad really quick because of the car accident. Um, so that's like another thing, like these old people, I think about what they used to tell me and then I had this accident and I was like, oh my gosh, they're so right. Because there's a lot of activities that I used to do. I used to be super into sports and go snowboarding. I love horseback riding and stuff. And they're just things I haven't been able to do. And it's been, I think, about th- just over three years now since that all happened. And I definitely miss that person I used to be, but I'm still, you know, working really hard to get back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is when you started making candles. Yeah. So I was at home and I honestly, like, just 
pretty depressed with how my life was going in the sense of, again, not being that person I used to be. And I've always loved DIY. I've always loved doing arts and crafts, like from the time I was really small. And I looked up how to make candles because candles are one of my favorite things, like even before I had my business. And I was like, okay, what can I do? How can I make my own candles? So I remember just spending like $150 on all the products and then you know, being in my parents' kitchen and started making candles. And I was like, oh, this is a lot of fun and this is kind of relaxing. And I gave them to like a couple of friends and they're like, just try selling these. I think you could sell these. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, let's try. So I went on Instagram, I created, you know, a, a business profile or whatever. And it we should t- probably tell people what your, your brand yes. is called. <laughs> <laughs> so my candle business is Kilaid Candle Co. Yes. Um, and it has a special meaning too. Yeah. yeah. So I named it Kilaid Candle Co. because, again, I'm not, I don't speak to catalog fluently, but my mom taught me the word Kilaid a very long time ago. And she always said, it's like, oh, when you have a crush on somebody. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. Or she's like, the butterflies in your tummy. And then I looked up the definition and there is no direct English translation, but it was everything my mom told me. And I was like, this is so cute. I love this word. So I called it Kill Egg Candle Co. Mm. Um, and yeah, it just, after I made the Instagram account, it kind of took off from there. I remember asking my friend who does photography, like, hey, can you just take a couple photos of my candles and see, well, let's see what happens. And it's crazy. Like it's even kind of changed her career a little bit. Now she focuses on product photography because she's taken so many candle photos for oh, me. Oh, wow. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. she went from like weddings to product photography. Incredible, which is cool. you can uplift others too yeah. through what you do. Yeah, and we mm-hmm. still work together, so it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and your candles are made of soy. You know, yeah. they've got zinc-free wicks and natural oils, so you definitely went that route. Yeah. So something I researched when I was starting to make candles was, you know, how eco-friendly, and sustainable candles actually are. Um, and I noticed, you know, a lot of the bigger brands that sell candles in stores, they smell amazing. They they work perfectly fine, but they are not made sustainably. Um, they're made with toxic ingredients that are actually pretty harmful to some people and like even your pets and the leaves sit on the walls. And I was like, I want nothing to do with that. Mm. So I did some research and, you know, went the soy wax route, which is a lot more eco-friendly. Um, it's vegan friendly too, which is nice because I also try to eat as vegan as possible. Um, I'm not perfect, but <laughs> I do have those days. But You're mindful. Yeah, I'm mindful about what I'm consuming and like what I'm making. Um, and then all the uh, wicks are lead and zinc free, which is great. And the fragrances are all toxic free. So it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you were saying for every candle purchased, a meal is donated to a child in need in the Philippines. Attica? Yeah, so Attica is the Canadian nonprofit I work with. Um, They're based in Toronto, but they also have a team in the Philippines. So essentially what it is is anytime you buy a product from me, I donate a meal to Attica, and they give the meal to a child. So they work in a lot of impoverished areas in the Philippines. Um, And again, I chose them because of my mom's story. I thought it really resonated well with me. Um, So, yeah, they feed those kids and it's an incentive for them to come to school. So what happens a lot of the time in the Philippines is in these more impoverished areas is kids are thinking to themselves, okay, am I gonna go to school and get this education and be hungry all day? Or am I going to stay at home with my family, work with my family and have enough you know, pesos to pay for a meal? 
to put on the table for everybody. And that's a really big thing that still goes on. And, you know, it's 2022 and it's for us here in Canada, not a lot of people would think that's happening, but it is. Mm. Um, so when they give the meal to the child, they give it in a breakfast option. So it incentivizes them coming to school, having that big plate of food and then staying for the school day and learning. Um, and I think they've had over 12 graduating classes now since starting. That. That's that's incredible. Yeah. And that's really important because that, that food, like that breakfast meal, I, I'm assuming provides them the fuel to get through the day where yeah. they can retain information and yeah. they can focus. Yeah, I know it's like a lot of rice and carbs and stuff, which mm. it's so funny because here people are like, oh, it's too carby. But over there it's like, yes, that's the fuel you need. Um, to really power through the day and like give you that brain power even. So it's like you're giving people this opportunity to better themselves and better their lives and better their families by just giving them breakfast, which is so simple. And you wouldn't, it's something that we don't even think about because it's on autopilot for us. Some yeah. of us don't even have breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're like, yeah. oh. I don't eat a breakfast, I'll eat at 11. Exactly, or you know, here. Well, we have that choice. Yeah, we have that choice and people wake up and they're like, okay, I'm just gonna go grab a smoothie down the street mm. and spend $10 on a smoothie. And it's like, that's a lot of meals for some children in the Philippines, yeah. $10 when you think about it in that sense even. So it's really crazy, but I think it's so amazing that such a small change can help so many people. Mm. Do you think you'll go to the Philippines and try to meet some of the kids? Yes, I really, really want to. Um, when things get, you know, a little bit better with COVID, that's something I've talked to my family about is, you know, doing a family trip and visiting our family. But I want to take like a few days and see like if I can you know, be the one feeding them, making the plates of food. I think that would be so cool. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure they would just love to meet you too. Yeah. Uh, as as a someone who's been helping them and yeah. supporting them from afar. Yeah, mm. I feel like I just want to give them all a big hug. <laughs> I feel like hugs, hugs are good. Hugs, hugs, yeah. hugs are very, very therapeutic and healing. Yeah, like a hug and a meal. Why yeah. not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah. I wanted to go back to your candle making mm -hmm. and business, the business of it. Um, I have a friend that makes, she started making candles. It's just a hobby. Nice. Um, and so she's come and she's dropped off a few. And it was so interesting listening to her talk about um, the quality of the wax, how long it takes to harden, like all of these things I, that I didn't really think about. It's like it's, a big The process is, is actually really incredible. Yeah, it's like a big science experiment mm. because every fragrance has a different fragrance load and I could get really into it, but fragrance load essentially is how much fragrance you're going to put into that wax um, to make it smell like whatever you want it to smell. Um, but there's like a million different fragrance loads, um, you know, what heat you pour the wax at, what heat you even melt the wax at, how big the wicks are, how big the jar is. Um, it's all science and it's all math, which shockingly I'm very, very bad at, but I, I kind of have like a rule of thumb now, which has helped me out. But yeah, it's really crazy how much time and effort it takes to make a candle. But at the same time, I think you could say that a lot about a lot of different art forms. Um, you know, music takes so long to do and, you know, an actual painting could take months, days, you know, a really long time. So in a way, candle making is kind of like an art form. Once mm -hmm. you get the hang of it, though, you, you can get a little faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you have a natural nose for different kinds of smells and notes and, and what goes together? Or was that something that was more learned for you as you went along? I think it's a bit of both. So I've always had like a really sensitive nose um, to different things, either the smells being good or bad. 
very sensitive growing up and I really love perfume. So my mom also <laughs> really loves perfume. So I learned a lot of like smells from what she has. Um, but essentially when I started the business, I was just like, I want to make three scents that I think would smell really good. And the, the one of them that I still have, it's the top seller. It's just lavender and eucalyptus. Mm. Because I feel like those are two amazing smells to have, especially yes. in the it's evening. It's calming and bright at the same time. Yeah, right? like, yeah. I love eucalyptus for just opening up my chest and yes. my nose. Yeah, it's so refreshing. Mm -hmm. And then the lavender just kind of, you know, calms it all down. It's the perfect sleepy candle. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I love candles too, and I always have. Mm -hmm. um, I'm amazed at the amount of candle brands there are out there and how how they all manage to, how they survive. Do you think that there is a secret to the longevity of a, a candle business? Is it more the branding side of things? I mean, obviously the product itself, but with so many out there, um, how do you imagine people choose? Honestly, I tell everyone, everyone, like there's so many people in the world and everyone has a different nose. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why there's so many candle brands. Um, for the longevity of it, I think it's a 50-50, to be honest. Half of it is the quality of your candle, um, and the other half is, is branding and, you know, your message behind what you're making. Anyone can make a candle, I think. I think it's not hard if you want to just do it at home as a craft. But if you have a purpose behind it, you are putting, like, a sustainability factor behind it. I know that's really important to a lot of people today. Um your care, your message, your mission, all of that is so important to keeping your business thriving. And something that I've learned from even other local candle companies is, you know, the person behind it really matters too. Because mm. there are so many awesome local candle makers out there, and I've met quite a few of them. And they're all great people. Like, I have nothing bad to say. They are all so kind, so caring, so welcoming. It's a great community to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I'm just, um, this is not related to this, but something else that you said about the nose. It yeah. matters about your nose. I was just thinking about, because I told you I really, I've always really loved candles. And there was a point in my life where I was um, always buying Vespa. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and I recently went to the store where I used to buy them and I smelled it and I was like mm, I don't know I don't know if I really like it anymore yeah. and I would gravitate to other ones so I suppose throughout your life too your your biochemistry of your nose could probably change too just totally. depending where you're at yeah I've had that conversation before and I described it as this is you know when you're in high school and as as a female at least I've I've definitely felt this you know you're in gym class and you get that Calgon spray that you used to buy at oh, sellers yes, and yes. it smells like cupcakes and you spray it all over you and you're like oh this smells so good and if I smelt that now I think I'd be sick mm -hmm. so I think your nose definitely changes over time too mm -hmm. um, something I hear from a lot of customers is like rose is such an old lady smell and I was like but I don't think it is. So maybe that's something you like when you're older, but I think people's noses change too. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I guess yeah, of course. I mean, if you think of of your entire life, we're always we're always evolving. Yeah, so it it makes sense for sure. Mm -hmm. um, I also remember you saying that it was hard at first as a fledgling brand to get spots at pop ups and markets if you didn't have a large following. And so you ended up just making your own way. Yeah, so 
something I noticed when I was applying for markets was there was a question in there and it was always like, how many followers do you have? Or what's your Instagram? Because they're going to look and see the amount of followers you have. And I don't think all markets are like this, but I do think a lot of them are. And I was just kind of like, I don't really have a lot of followers. I have like 100 followers on here. And I went to one pop-up that was awesome. They didn't care about my following. I had such a great experience. And I was like, you know what? I want to do this. And I want to have it for anyone who has any amount of followers. Like, I don't really care about that. Like, if you have a good product, there's something to say for that in itself. And I don't think that social media needs to rule that for you. I don't think it needs to be the end all of your business because there are a lot of amazing local businesses that have maybe like under 300 followers, but their product is incredible. And I've met them all through pop-up. So I decided to create the Girl Gang pop-up, which it's supposed to be, um, you know, if you're female or female identifying and own a business that you can come and showcase your product and sell it. So we've done, I think, about five now. And I started that during the pandemic and it has been so much fun we're actually doing another one in April but it's going to be great yeah no I think it's great it from listening to you and and hearing you talk it seems like community is very essential to you yeah I would be nothing without the Vancouver community but also the small business community um I think everyone is just so so great and supportive and I think we've all been in each other's shoes so doesn't matter how many again followers you have or like what your clientele is like is we've all started in the exact same place Mm. so if you can you know lend a helping hand why not and that's kind of how I feel it's like yeah I'm super busy but you know me spending this time doing a pop-up and you know inviting you to come and showcase your business is really easy for me in the in the scheme of it Mm. you know it's just like let's send you a message let's give you this opportunity and that's it really again going back to uplifting one another and elevating you can do it all together yeah I've I've experienced that too and it's it's super important to not just your business but to your whole being yeah to have that connection and I think something that's really um important in especially the small business community is to remember community over competition Mm. because at the end of the day these are the people that you can lean on for support in hard times or you know if you have a question and stuff like again we're all in the same boat so why not just be there for each other Mm. and same in any kind of relationship why not just like give that helping hand if you have a free moment absolutely yeah it makes me think of what you were saying about man and how she's your she's your (laughs) filipino rock but i know that you've also said that she's been a really great great mentor to you too yeah what what has she really taught you with her I she's one of the most hardworking humans I have ever met I actually met her when we worked at Aritzia together uh maybe like 10 years ago and I was like 18 I was a teenager and man she's 10 years older than me but that's a whole nother story because she definitely (laughs) doesn't look like it um but Ever since I met her, even at Aritzia, just the hustle, the drive, the not giving up has always been there. And, you know, every day I see her and we, we always even call each other in the morning. And it's really funny. We kind of sing to each other every morning. <laughs> and we're like, after we sing, we go, OK, what's your plan for the day? And then we keep each other on track. We bounce business ideas off each other. 
And something that's great about our building now, because she has all upstairs and I have all of downstairs, is we're creating community-focused events and things that we resonate with as women. So it's just a constant going back and forth and supporting each other in in all aspects of life now. So she's definitely like a lifelong friend, I think. Mm -hmm. She's not just, you know, that business buddy that you get along with. Sounds like it. (laughs) Friend friend for life. Friend for life. Yeah. So what's next for your brand? I know that you were saying you just got picked up by an agency that will help you retail Canada-wide. So congratulations. That is super awesome. Yeah. It's probably, I think, the biggest thing that's happened for my business. And when I got reached out about it, I was just like, oh, my gosh, it's happening. Because this is something I wanted to do last year. I noticed that there was these agencies and I was just like, oh, this would be a great way to grow. And I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And then they reached out, I think it was just over a month ago. And they were like, hey, can we represent you? Like, we're, we can help you grow your business. And that was just a pivotal moment for me. I was so excited. So yes, we've been picked up by an agency that's gonna help distribute everything Canada-wide and just you know kind of be there with the, the hookup in the sense of new retailers and stuff, which will be great. Um, but for Killig, I, I think we're turning more into a self-care brand, which is something okay. I'm very here for because I'm big on self-care. Um, we launched some perfumes. And- which I have yeah. one, and I love it. I'm actually wearing it right now, oh, Pillow really? Talk. Oh, yeah. yay. Love it. I actually get a ton of compliments on it. Oh, that makes yeah. me so happy. It's it's definitely my favorite smell. And the one smell that everyone was like, we want to smell like this. So <laughs> I, I had to make it into a perfume. Yeah. 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 Um, we have like a soap and a lotion, but I guess I can tell you, um, we're going to do a bit of a facelift. Or Killig as well. Okay. Yeah, so you'll see that in fall. Um, it's still going to be Killig Candle Co. It's just going to be the grown-up version of Killig, I would say. I see. Yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. I can't yeah. wait to see that. Okay, so fall 2022. Yes. Watch out for some new branding. Yes, and Mayan's actually helping me Oh, with is that. she? Yeah. Because <laughs> she, she does I love graphic that. design. Yeah, she went to Emily Carr, and she's done branding um, for my friend's business, Kid Sister. And it's so incredible. It just really speaks to uh, Maxine, the owner. And I was like, this is this is great that you can translate that person and their personality into what they want their business to be. And I was just like, okay, man, I need you. Mm-hmm. Please help mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Super exciting. Yeah. Well, just a couple more questions for you. So second to last question. Uh, actually, third to last, because I just thought of this um, halfway through the interview. Uh, you were talking about your grandmother and your uncle. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that your parents are really important to you. Your mom's is it seems very, very important to you. But yeah. I love this what you were telling me about uh, your grandmother and your uncle. Um, what would you say to them? Like what what would you say them to them right now about what you appreciate about that time in your life? Oh my. I'd say to my uncle, I'd say to him, Thanks for letting me bother you because at the time he was like in his 20s and I'm just this little kid and he'd let me play video games with him and you know take me out and stuff so thank you for including me and giving me something to look forward to in the day even if it was just like us playing karate video games or you know going to McDonald's and getting some chicken nuggets or letting me come on a drive with you and playing Z95.3 because that's what we would do Um, And then to my grandma, just thanks for taking care of me so well and nurturing me in ways I didn't even realize when I was younger. 
because I think she really did that. She really loved and cared for me and wanted the best for me. Um, and even when I didn't realize that she was there as support. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So my second to last question, as we said before, Kilig means the butterflies in your tummy and this, this sense of joy. Do you still feel that Kilig every day and how do you maintain it in your own life? Well, I feel it in a lot of ways. So first in the, I guess the romance way, I definitely feel it with my partner. He's so amazing and he's like another person who really supports me in everything I do. Like either that, you know, be doing my business or like, you know, getting motivated to go to the gym like he's there every step of the way um so I definitely feel that excitement like even when I see him I'm like oh I love you so much you're just like my person forever um and I think another way you could feel killing is just excitement in general just being really happy about something and I can genuinely say that I feel that every day I'm in my studio and owning a business isn't you know peachy all the time and there's always there's always going to be a hard moment to deal with but I'm just so happy that I get to make candles which sounds hilarious like you're just making candles but I love it and I get to connect with people every day and I'm just so excited about that and I feel killing about the future even because I just see so much great things happening like with my business with like my personal life even my health I feel is getting better so I always feel like that. Mm-hmm. And also Pepe, yeah. people can't see see him, but it's her Pomeranian who yeah. is in her arms and yeah. just wavering between sleep and awake, and it's very adorable. <laughs> yeah, he's he's my little buddy. If people come by the studio, they usually meet him. He's the greeter. Mm. Yeah, depending if you have a dog, you might bark. But <laughs> yeah, I feel killing with Pepe too. He makes me so happy. I always say to my partner that... Um, I am so lucky to have him. I never knew like I could feel this kind of joy with a pet before. Mm. So yeah, he's with me all the time. Yeah. I love it. He's yours. He's, yeah. he, he's, your, he's your little man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and my final question, it's the question that I ask everybody. With what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world? There's a lot of things. That's a big question. Um, I would say, you know, I hope that the candles or whatever product you get from me or even the experience of of killing on you know the web is that you get a feeling of happiness and if you have the product some kind of self-care I think everybody deserves self-care I, I don't care what you look like where you came from what you do even if it's five minutes of like that alone time where you can just close your eyes and you know and enjoy the moment like I just hope that you feel relaxed and that you've nourished yourself in some way and with the school feeding program I just hope that these meals that I'm you know donating really help to change somebody's life and I know they have already and I just I'm happy that I'm able to to do something so small but so helpful for other people. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your time and for sharing your story and your amazing energy. Oh, thank and you. Uh, I can't wait to have more conversations with you. Yes, it was so great being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy. Thanks so much, Sean. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.